Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm your host, The Trunk, and it's an old school pod today. And I'm not, I'm not just being down with the kids again when I say old school. I think old school is <laughs> fairly, <laughs> it's fairly accepted turn of phrase now, isn't it? Raj Baines. Yeah, yeah. It's better than when you tried to say Wagwan at the start of last episode. Wagwan, yeah. Was, I, I think that was one of my finer moments of last week's pod before it descended into pooey willy chaos didn't it that's kind of where it went it's usually p- yeah pun it talk poos willies that kind of stuff is the level i take the pod to which well, i guess is something to be proud of it's an epitaph of sorts isn't it is that what you want written on your headstone poo and willy <laughs> yeah I, I, do you know what i wouldn't actually mind if it was it'd be something a bit different <laughs> here lies poo and willy jack Kelsey. um <laughs> fuck this has already gone, hasn't it? Right, um, so it's an international break, so this is pretty much just a self-indulgent pod. We get, we, we're actually going to speak to someone else this week, an opposition, because that's kind of what our pod's founded on, and we haven't done that for a while, but you know, we spoke about this last week. It's not always the easiest to get people on, but we have got a Liverpool guest on. We've, we've actually managed to find a Liverpool fan that isn't a complete arsehole, as if you'd listened last series, you would have heard. Um Mr. Dutton, he's 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 a good lad, isn't he? He's good value, Raj. Dear friend of yours, I believe, isn't he? Yeah, he's a nice lad. Um, <laughs> and we'll we'll have to talk about Klopp and whatnot, and I'm sure there'll be some smugness there. But people aware of my interviewing style will know that that will not be tolerated not at all. for too good. long. Um, Friendships will be burnt <laughs> should there be any um, should there be any of that business carrying on for friendships, too long. professional relationships, a lot. Just get it all in the bin. And shit on yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's my that's my epitaph. <laughs> Raj Baines, he came, he went, he burned bridges. <laughs> you can shove your olive branch up your ass. Yeah. Um, let's 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 jump straight into some listener questions then. Um, well, I tell you, let's let's get this one out of the way then. We've had one from a uh, Toby Skeels at Skeelington who says, "Can you tell how big Raj's rhino boner is just over Skype?" <laughs> Hashtag league. Um, it's been a pretty historic week in uh, rugby league for your lads, hasn't it, Raj? The Lazeranos. Do you want to do? You, spell out, spell out, just pretty much what's happened for Leeds Rhinos as he did to me on WhatsApp earlier on this week. Right. Um, well, I texted you after the grand final after he won, and um, I saw. Uh, 
told you that I, I, so I sent you a picture of the three lads that had been retiring, celebrating with the fans and the trophy. And uh, you texted me back quite honestly and you just went, what does this actually mean? <laughs> um, which is a fair enough question because it a, it's a minority sport and people hear me bang on about this and I'm sure people are annoyed already that we've brought it up first thing. Um, but to put it in sort of footballing terms, you sort of imagine Ledley King had played for Tottenham his entire career and wasn't injured and alongside him he'd had Glenn Hoddle and you know uh, Gary Mabbott or a Steve Perryman or a you know one of those a, a Mackay so you've got three absolute legends of the sport and the club all together and they'd, they'd decided to hang up the boots all at once at the end of the season and they'd come through about 10-15 year period where Tottenham had done the most successful things they had in their their history they'd won all the, the trophies they could they'd you know been champions more often than they hadn't and they'd, they'd transform the sort of culture of the club all at once um and they'd you know the, all there's a fallow period before it and they did not do done anything and then in their last season um they do something that they haven't ever done before and they um they win a treble they win you know top of the league the, they win the grand final and they win the, the challenge cup so essentially that's you know all three domestic cups in in England, so things they haven't done before, and they retire um, champions in a in a way that they haven't been champions before. It's it's remarkable, really. Um, I mean, to to sort of think about it through that. I mean, imagine what the the scenes would be at, at Tottenham. Well, I, it it speaks for itself, mate. I mean, it. I, I did find it hard to not feel something for you when when you spelled it out to me like that and it, subsequently I did actually watch the highlights today as well I didn't just take the piss I was uh, I did watch the highlights I f- found myself obviously in a position where I'm watching a bit more rugby so I thought oh, I'll watch some of this league lark then as well given it Raj is always going on about how much better it is in Union so uh, what did you make given that you've been working on the World Cup and you've probably watched more rugby in the past three weeks and you haven't in any other time in your life what did you think between the differences between league and union it's interesting I can see how it's a lot more I'm surprised that union is a lot bigger than league to be honest in the respect that league is probably in terms of like the mainstream sports the closest thing to football you get in terms of like the pace and the sort of level of athleticism I think on show in terms of like as a team game I think a lot of the the league players seem a lot leaner, a lot more athletic than the union players. I guess because it's a it's a faster paced game, they need to be quite a bit fitter. I don't know if that's a no. I think that's, that's I think that's probably kind true. of thing to say. But and just you know, obviously, like not the whole stops for scrums and mauls and rucks and all that kind of shite. You know, it's just kind of it just it's more free flowing, yeah. isn't it? Um, I mean, union has its moments when it has you know repeat phases and. And teams are, are rooking properly and getting the ball back out. Those, those are probably the most exciting things. But there's just a because the point system is a bit different. Because there's less points for kicking and, and more points for scoring tries um, in league. And there's sort of a, such a discrepancy between the the returns of the different ways of scoring. You'll see more league teams going for tries and and attacking much more than you would a union team. I mean, it's it's quite easy to see. You know, a union team sustain themselves throughout an entire eighty minutes just by kicking penalties and, and winning scrums. So it's it's a, a tiny bit of a, a different spectacle um, than it is in the other one. But it's just um, the you know the, I'm not going to go into the history of of why the two sports are two sports because it was never that way before. Um, 
I mean, it was only in Huddersfield actually when when rugby league was was brought in um, and the rules were all changed. Um, but it was it's a class thing essentially. But if you if you're interested in in sport in general. Um, just sort of read the Wikipedia page and whatnot, and it'll um, it'll speed you up with with why exactly they've stopped. And I do highly suggest you you try and get into to Super League. I mean, there's a couple of people every time I send a series of tweets out about rugby um, league, especially um, you know, a handful of people will unfollow me, and a handful and a, and a handful <laughs> of people will sort of relent and they will sort of try and engage me and go exactly all right they'll go all right why are you talking about this sport so much what is it about and the question i we've even been sent this to the pod a few times and i get asked this quite a lot is which team shall i support in terms of you know which who's most like tottenham and um i always give similar sort of answers and and people are uh, seem to be sort of coming towards actually giving it a go because it is, you know, I think people are, are turned off a bit by what they've seen with Union because it is a bigger sport and it's on terrestrial TV a lot more often. Um, they don't tend to, you know, want to watch it. But, I mean, if you if you listen to this podcast and you have, you find yourself with, you know, half an hour, an hour going to bed, go on to the iPlayer and, and watch the highlights of the grand final and you'll, you'll sort of get a taster of what... The sport is all about, and um, it's it's at Old Trafford as well. So you know, it's a segue from football to rugby. Yeah, you know, you can appreciate it on that level. Yeah. <laughs> have we got any uh, footballing questions? Yeah, let's let's have a look. But yeah, fuck Union, Tory egg ball shite. Um, sorry, <laughs> um, we get away with it when it's not here. Right, we've got one from ADJ Seven, which is is why well, handle is at AD underscore J Seven. Who would you rather have in a modern Spurs team, Ledley King or Harry Kane? Ledley King, yeah. hands down. Oh, that's like, not even a question, not Harry, is it? but nah. And happy birthday, Ledley, today. I know you listen every single week, so uh, happy birthday, lad. Um, I just, yeah, that's easy, easily said, isn't it? I think we could... He's, I tell you what dawned on me today that was quite horrendous, actually. He's only five years older than me. Because obviously, like when, when, when you're a kid, you just sort of see, you know, Five years is massive, right? Yeah. So when I'm like, what, 12, 13 or so, and he's at, <laughs> he's that bit older than me, it seems like, fuck, yeah, he's a man and I'm just like this little kid that like idolises him. But now I kind of think like, well, I've got mates that are like his age and stuff, you know? Like, oh, he's, yeah. he's the same age. Like, I've got this level of adoration for a man that I look up to as like a hero, as some kind of like stoic kind of, father figure but really he's he's just a bloke who's pretty much in the same age group as I am and it was a bit it was a bit weird that and it also made me think he's only 35 he could easily still be playing the type of player he yeah. was he really could still be yeah, playing massively now, he's he, is, he really should be still playing if it wasn't for injury yeah um and I imagine he probably had offers to go places and, and sort of pay as you play deals. And Harry Redknapp tried to get him out of retirement at QPR, didn't he? <laughs> probably. I, I, I think there was a. That. I think there was a, a rumor that uh, Tony Pulis had offered him a deal at Stoke um, around the time that he was actually coming into retirement because we didn't renew his contract. Um, so there was definitely offers on the table here, there, and everywhere. I mean, he's probably the type of player that is right up Sam Allardyce's street in terms of. You know the stature of the player and what he'd do. He'd probably stick him on more money than he was on at Tottenham, and uh, and try and get as much out of him as possible. 
Um, but it is a the, the whole Ledley King story is just a, a sad story, really, isn't it? No, it's, yeah, it's, it's... But given that we we were asked to compare King and Kane, the two Ks, I've never really thought about that before. Um, you've met them both. Um, which one was your favourite? It's just very different. Um, I mean, Ledley King, I kind of I met in a in an ambassadorial role in terms of he was he was in one, um, so he was obviously very friendly and very nice and but it was a it was a very kind of professional affair um whereas when i when i was with harry kane i was sort of on the job um so i couldn't really you know i was under strict duress to to not mention i was a spurs fan to not really talk to him on a human level you have to almost adopt this horrible monotone type thing and this was just the game before the north london derby when he was really starting to kick on and i just wanted to be like go on Harry fucking do him which I did end up sort of saying to him in the end which got overheard by my boss at the time but have we ever spoken about your old job properly on here no I don't think so but I don't mind doing so when you were at Harry Kane's personal shield boy yeah yeah did a did a shoot with Nike Nike football um when yeah I actually I actually pitched it to him as well I was saying this lad's gonna be good he's one of our athletes get him on and they they weren't too keen on it at first because obviously he was still a bit of a random and we did, and we met him down at uh, Barnet's ground um, to do the to do the shoot there. Yeah, well, because it has to be somewhere neutral. Because obviously, when you're working with like these brands and stuff, you have to put into consideration what you know what clubs work with what brands and who does this and who does that and what's a neutral background. And there's so much like fucking politics behind all this stuff. You'd think it's just a case of like, can we get a photo and put it live? No, you can't. You know this. There's so much different stuff that goes into it. So uh, apparently there's some agreement in place with Nike and Barnet, blah, 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 blah. So we could do it there. It was quite close to Tottenham's training ground. So that's why it worked out for him. And when you're sort of working with one of these players, their agents will always give you a set amount of time that you can work within and all this kind of stuff. So there's so many hurdles, but we managed to get it through and he came down. But it was his first ever real big shoot at this point because... It seems strange talking about it now, but you've you've got to bear in mind this is still Harry Kane, who's basically just stepped out of the youth team. Really, he's scored a few goals, but still, no one's really talking about him. The press weren't really on at him that point either. But Spurs fans were obviously very excited about him because we'd seen what he'd been doing in the build-up to that game. Um, but for most other people, it was just the same as you know, you know, whatever. There's some young kid doing all right for Spurs, but it's not going to last. Um, but so he was he was nervous if anything and I guess he'd probably just you know heard he was going to be working with Tatrunk and what you know what can I say you know it's, he got a bit starstruck and uh, the rest is history um, but yeah he, he was a nice to sign bit. his stuff for him did he <laughs> yeah. um, but I wasn't even allowed to pose with him for a photo or anything like that it was uh, it was a yeah, it was it was a bit annoying, but like I say, you know, I'd managed to grab one of his boots afterwards and get a picture of that. So you know, that was uh, you didn't steal it though. That was nice. No, no, I didn't. I didn't steal those boots. Um, alas, um, where do we go from here? Let's let's. Let, but who was nicer, Ledley King? Probably because he was just you know he he seemed a bit more relaxed and he seemed like. He'd had some training into that kind of thing. But the thing I did like about him is when we were watching the game, it was the Leon game. Um, 
he was he was like a fan still when Spurs were going up the event. Yeah, he was putting on this official front with everyone. People were asking him whatever the sort of questions, and he'd obviously had these sort of fairly little media train type responses for them. But you could see when Spurs were getting close to goal, and it was a game when Gareth Bale scored those two free kicks. He was just celebrating like a fan, and that's kind of. It, for all the kind of people, you know, they say all this shit about like, oh, well, you know, if he had a stayed fit, he would have probably gone on somewhere else and this and that. And you kind of, you know, you know that in your heart of hearts that would have happened. But I still think it, it there is a genuine affection for the club and a genuine love for the club from Ledley as well. And it was in that kind of moment you could see it. You could see that as Spurs were scoring goals, he was he was a Spurs fan. And you knew it, and you you could just tell it wasn't for wasn't for anyone but him. You know he was celebrating that, so it's you can take heart from that. Oh God, I love that man. I cried in this testimonial, mate. So you know, yeah, I cried at the grand final. (laughs) (laughs) Just we're just Um, men that tear up at sport. That's it, mate. You got you know be in touch with your emotions. Doesn't hurt. Um, Let's have a look here. We've We've got one in the email. They're usually a bit rambling. Go on. No, no, no. It's only a, a one-line question. Oh, nice one. It says Raj, bread cakes or bread rolls, um, which is is lucky that I understand what he's on about because um, there's a debate in Yorkshire over what you call a tea cake, uh, whether it's a bread cake or a bread roll. Um, I think I tend to call it a, a bread cake more than I do a bread roll. Um, I'm not sure if that's right or not, but it is. I mean, there's there's wars on on Facebook and stuff like that when somebody writes about it and then somebody will try and correct them. I think it's even it's one of those things that changes no matter what street you're on, even sort of like what you've been brought. Say, up Christ, with. I thought Tottenham Twitter was a fucking nightmare, but bread no, cake Twitter this is, this is, seems to be. Jesus, I mean, if you were to like bring up bread cakes and bread rolls as as part of like an electoral manifesto thing more people would be bothered in Yorkshire than they would about the economy or sort of immigration. They'd care more about what they're calling tea cakes. What do you what do you call them down south? Tea cakes. Just, just tea cake, not bread cake or bap or anything like that. Well, I mean, a tea cake to me is like a little, like, a fancy. It's like a sweet thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it? Uh, you, don't, you don't like have a bacon sandwich in a tea cake? No, that would be a bap. Oh, is that what you call it a bap? Yeah, tea cake. I see as more as being like a little sort of like Mister Kipling type affair, like a little Mister. Oh Kipling no, no, tea no. Cake type thing. No, but. tea cake up here is like essentially like a a round flatbread that you cut in the middle, and then it's like a round sandwich. Like a stotty, like a stotty ban. Yeah, it, it, that, that's it. the sort of thing. Yeah, it, that's what they call it. Yeah, but we yeah. call it a bread cake or a bread roll or something like that. Yeah. Fucking hell. God, it's a slow week, isn't it? You've got to blame international football first. I call that this is quite a decent one from Nikhil. Nikhil Saglani, everyone everyone knows him. Um, at Nikhil underscore Saglani. Can you compare each member of the cast of Friends to a member of the Spurs squad? It's quite a decent one, that. Joey. Um, that would have been be... Dawson, wouldn't it? But No, I don't, think G- I don't think he's smooth enough. I think he's Chadley. I think that's ideal, isn't it? Chadley is Joey. It's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah, doesn't doesn't always use his noggin, but he's pretty smooth. He's good with the ladies, isn't he? I like um, I like uh, Vertonghen as uh, as Ross. Vertonghen. Yeah, tries to be serious, but really 
look, he's a bit of an idiot, really, inside. I think so. I'm, I'm trying to... Because uh, I was going to say Carl Walker could have probably been a bit of a Joey as well. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's got the charm that Chadley does. Maybe not, but his, his girlfriend's quite pretty, so, you know, he's... I guess, but Joey doesn't have a girlfriend, so there you go. And nor does Chadley, he's just got a string of women, so I think you called that one right. Um, I can imagine someone like Ericsson being a bit of a moniker. I can imagine him being quite meticulous. Yeah. He looks quite yeah. kind of, you know, arsy and kind of a man that has routines. Because look at his free kicks, for example. You can imagine that's like, that's well-oiled, that's well-practiced, you know. Yeah. Um, Sandra would have been a perfect Phoebe. <laughs> I think I was going to say Eric Lamella's a bit of a Phoebe yeah. as well. He's just kind of got that vacant look on his face, hasn't he? And like, he, he's, he's capable of those moments of absolute brilliance um, without kind of... Seemingly putting much thought into it as well. Eric Dyer could be a good Rachel. Do you why? Just because he's pretty and there's not much to him. <laughs> um, I, I he does look like, like one of those lads that if you ever asked him what his favourite film was, he, he would say it was the Transformers. You, yeah, he'd definitely say Transformers or something something like fucking Pain and Gain or something. Do you know what I mean? One yeah. of those new like, random entourage. Not even the series, the film. Yeah, the, you film. Know? the only CD he's got in his car is like a uh, Ministry of Sound baseline compilation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, who else are we missing? At Chanda, I can't think of a Chanda really in our squad. No, there's nobody who really that that sort of quirky and funny. No, we haven't really got any sort of s- smart players, have we? Hugo Lloris might be that way at home, um, but we've no way of knowing. He's he's another contender for Monica. D- yeah, definitely, hundred percent. That's a good shout. I'd say Dembele. I would say he's Gunther, just in respect to like I <laughs> I can see I can see his value, but at the same time, I just find him irritating and I don't like him. And I I could happily continue to watch the show without him um, existing. Um, oh Christ, I can't stand Mr. Dembele. Yeah, you've got a proper. Being your bonnet about him. Oh, he just irritates me. He irritates me so much every time I watch Spurs play. Charlotte's saying as well, she reckons Hugo Lloris is... She reckons he could be Chandler. Why? Why do you think he's going to be Chandler? Get her up on the microphone. Come come to the microphone. <laughs> why, is, why is Hugo Chandler? Because he's above it all. <laughs> he's smart. You said we don't have anyone smart. I think Hugo's smart. He's pretty smart, isn't he? But he doesn't look like the sort of man that's up for a, bit, up for a laugh, though, which Chandler is. I think you might be on, on the side. You just want to talk about Hugo because you fancy him a bit, don't you? Shut up. Yeah, okay, there we go. Um, we all fond of Hugo Lloris, so there's no... Yeah, yeah I, I, you know what, though? I don't think Hugo Lloris is that fit. Everyone go, I, I'm just going to say, what? everyone goes on about her hands. I don't, mate. I don't think no, he's all that. When he does those cheeky little grins, it melts your heart. Uh, Vorm for me, any day of the week, like, oh, looks-wise. No. Vorm is a Vorm. beautiful man. No, he's not as good-looking as As, as much as I dislike Mr Dembele, he's a beautiful man as well. Yeah, Dembele's a good-looking fella. Lovely arse. <laughs> 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 Uh, so why people can't get the ball off him yeah true, true. Eden Hazard's got a massive arse as well he's a player that's oddly escaped a lot of shite this year um, even though Harry Kane I think there's bigger stories at Chelsea this year true but, uh, true very true but he's had a muck season so far he's obviously class don't get me wrong but uh, he's not been great um, Herbert at Herb16 asks would you watch every Arsenal Actually, game? Actually, name is Herbert. I don't know. It could well be. Is um, that a man or a woman? He's not. He's a lad. He's from Rochdale. So yeah, they are about sort of near you, isn't it? 
kind of no, it's Lancashire, isn't it? Other side of the Pennines. Would you watch every Arsenal game for a whole season if it meant getting to see Spurs win the Champions League? Yeah, definitely. Would you, Bones? I think so. Oh yeah. I mean, it did because uh, you you have the. You have the possibility of watching them lose um, in that, and that's that's like watching Tottenham win. So um, it would be good. You, I mean, you kind of you kind of equate it to like you know if you if you want to if you want to get fit and you want to look a bit better, you got to go to the gym. And like no no one really enjoys exercising. Really, I think people that say they do are just fucking liars. Like yeah, endorphins all that kind of shite. But that's that's the that's the product of exercise. When you're actually in that moment, you feel sick and it's horrible. It's disgusting. <laughs> But the payoff is good, and I guess that's what it would be like watching Arsenal. It's that moment when you're on a treadmill, when you're like, "I wouldn't mind if I died at the moment." Um, I should probably be careful what I, what I wish for, though. I'm getting on a bit. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> when when I either. get a, a text through saying you've had a cardiac arrest on a treadmill. <laughs> well, wow, fucking hell. Do you know, I, I just know that if I did, Spurs would win the fucking league the next year as well. Hurry up, then, mate. Billy T. The T stands for Turbo Nonce. Um, since The Walking Dead is back, which Spurs player would survive longest in a zombie apocalypse? I'm quite liking that. People, do you know, I'm getting this hint that people are wanting us to talk about television today, Raj. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I'm getting We'll that do that vibe. in the second half. We'll do that in the second half. If, yeah. uh, walking Dead, who would survive well in The Walking Dead? They'd have to be quite ruthless and just sort of... Have a bit of aggro about them because you can't. Anyone who's a bit soft, I think Bentaleb. Oh, well, he's maybe, but I was going to say Delia Lee because I, I, he just seems to be the no, sort he's of too lad stupid. that's just like he's too stupid. He, uh, he can just step up though, mate. He doesn't give a shit. Like he's the sort of lad no. that's like, this is how it is. This is where I am. I'm going to do it. To me, he was. I, I think I've said it before on the pod, but I stand by it. Like he was definitely the lad that when he was 14, 13, 14, and all his mates were like, oh, I fancy this girl. Should I talk to her? Should I do this? Should I do that? He was already like, do you know what I mean? Getting his fingers in. <laughs> like, you can just tell he was the sort of lad that was just, he just knew what he was doing straight away. Um, and he just seems to be that. I think he'd just adapt. He'd be like, well, well zombie apocalypse, fuck it. Let's do no, this. No, I think, bent a love for me. I think, like, just that nasty streak in him. You could, like, leave him in a, like, a warehouse locked in with 100 zombies and, like, some blunt instruments, and he'd come out just sort of. Panting, with covered in blood, everyone's dead. He'd do horrible things as well when he like smash the heads in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Step on eyeballs and horrible, sadistic shit. Yeah, he'd enjoy it as well. He'd, he'd get off on it. Yeah, I'm going Bentalab. Yeah, you would walk into the zombie room and catch him wanking, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, just him over a pile of dead corpses. Sounds a bit sad. Jimmy Savile, that doesn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, yeah, yeah, dear God, um, Jimmy Savile once brought my bought my friends ice creams. True story. Oh dear God, that's really sinister now when you think about Maybe it. Maybe five it? or six years ago, he used to live. Uh, some of my mates uh, that I went to college with were from a similar sort of area to what he was in, and he was just walking his dogs or something in the park one day, and they were all just you know playing football or sat down or something, and he went and, you know came over as he does towards children, and he goes, "You want an ice cream?" And obviously just being normal, they went. <sighs> Now then, yeah. now then. Do you want an ice cream? Can I see you naked? And uh, oh. they, um, oh, they, he bought them ice creams and went on his merry way. That's fucking horrible. Yeah, I don't think though, he touched like, any of them. Really... But, um, knowing what we do now, it's safe to say that he probably wanted to. Uh, 
but they just got an ice cream out Jesus. of it. And another worry one while I'm on this is uh, my grandma once uh, once served the Yorkshire Ripper in a shop. Bloody hell! <laughs> yeah, like um, like it was like one day. It was like, I think it was a, t- a short while before he was like really wanted nationwide or what have you. But um, like he'd come in and um, he was a bit weird, so stuck in his stuck in a mind, obviously. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, and uh, you know he crops upon news, and my grandma goes, "Oh, I, I served him in shop of a day." My granddad just sort of looks at. Her. Obviously, this is before I was born, so it's something I've only been told since. But um, a true story, apparently, that he, he wants because uh, like all Asian families that have come from India, at one point my granddad did own a shop um, before he went into driving buses. And um, that's that's apparently when uh, was it Peter Sutcliffe? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Peter Sutcliffe cropped up in the. I can't. I don't know exactly what it was to to get, but uh, yeah, apparently he he dropped into the shop at one point. But that's our um, that's that's my links to you know horrible men. I don't know. Don't know what it says about me, but my uh, my better half, her one of her ex boyfriends, looks a bit like Peter Sutcliffe, <laughs> and uh, her family used to call him Peter Sutcliffe as well. Which I'm sure she didn't really like at the time, but she laughs about now. Um, Is that what did it for her? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's. <laughs> did, did, get her back on, I want to ask her. Exactly. What, what, hang on, wait one second. You've got a question. Give her the headphones. There's a question from the pod, Charlotte. Oh God, what is it? Come here. Oh, fuck off. Why do you keep involving me? Don't know, because we, Seb's not here this week, so we need a, okay. another resident posh person. <laughs> Yeah. What's the Are you question? eating raspberries by any chance? Am I eating raspberries? No, why? Oh, that's Seb's thing. She doesn't listen to... I can't eat now, raspberries. Yeah, I don't listen it? to the pod. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Support, you know. Jack says I what? You, uh, you used to be shagging Peter Sutcliffe. Oh, yeah. Uh, that... Back in the What day. was that like? <laughs> huh? uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know whether to answer that properly or not, because he's a fucking <laughs> arsehole. <laughs> To be honest, Jack said I didn't like it when my family called him Peter Sutcliffe, but I quite liked it, really, because he was a fucking... <laughs> so at the time, you probably didn't like it that much. No, I did. Oh, right, there, there we go, then. Huh? What are you saying, Raj? Was there any, like, strange Yorkshire Ripper, like, play? No. Oh, no, no. He just he just looked like him. Don't worry, he wasn't, like, the actual Yorkshire Ripper. No, I'm like... not saying he went around killing people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't sleep with the actual Yorkshire Ripper. Well, you said you didn't sleep with him either. Thought I thought I was. I thought I was <laughs> oh, your yeah. first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good. I'll keep that one up. <laughs> Just start before we start a domestic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna pass you back. <laughs> there we go, lads. Uh, we should get Charlotte on more often. She's more interesting. She's better value than me, isn't she? Really? Yeah. Um, right. So. Uh, should we call that the first half? <laughs> yeah, let's call that the first half. We'll end that on Peter Sutcliffe. Um, Right, so we're going to talk to, is it James? It's James Dutton, isn't it? Yeah, James Dutton, yeah. James Dutton, um, to talk about why his club is shit. James Dutton, welcome back to the show. How are you, my friend? Very good, Raj, how are you? I'm I'm very good myself. Um, You are a Liverpool fan, for your sins. Mm. Um, I was was joking with you that it's been a a quiet few weeks at your club, but obviously that's not the case whatsoever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Before we get on to the exciting addition to your club, um, as everyone in the press sort of rushes to unbuckle their pants at once uh, at his arrival, um, <laughs> Brendan Rodgers has lost his job um, yeah. and lost his flat as well by the sounds of things. And um, <laughs> what was your what was your thinking behind that? Because you 
I get the impression from what you've written in the past and what you wrote at the time and uh, your tweets about it that you were slightly more favourable towards him than perhaps other Liverpool fans and other people in the wider media may have been. Yeah, um, it's the revisionism around him that I find a bit mad, to be honest, Um, and that it's kind of become a wide acceptance among some sort of Liverpool fans that uh, the last three years has been a complete waste of time and that um, Rodgers has achieved nothing at the club. Um, it's, I, I, just, I just find it a bit odd. Uh, I mean, you can, you, know, you, you can have your sort of thoughts about the man and I know a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people from um, Liverpool supporters don't like him. A lot of other fans of rival clubs don't like him. Um, but you, you sh- I think the... Do you think his dislikability fed into his ultimate demise? Possibly. I mean, I, I just find the thirst to just write him off uh, a bit unsavoury, to be honest. Um, but I think, I mean, this is something I've, I, 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 did a, I did write about this last week, that, you know, he's kind of just sort of been chewed up and spat out by the kind of, the machine that is Liverpool at the moment, the machine that they are operating in, where they are um, a club which will never stop having the expectations or the ambitions of being top and yet it's living in the parameters where it can realistically only finish in fifth or sixth every year and that for it to finish any higher than fourth or third um, they are seriously playing above expectations and that's what you got in the his second season and that despite the fact that it was the best season that any Liverpool fan has ever enjoyed in the last 20 years. It's probably ultimately as well um, sort of nailed the coffin to him because, you know, how is he going to repeat that? And he's still, he's gone so far away. He went so far away from the football that um, was dished out that season that um, it became irretrievable for him. And it just sort of had that sort of snowball effect where, you know, momentum was just, gradually gradually going against him and there was only so much he could do in the end to arrest that kind of decline as it were do you reckon this decline would still be present even if he'd won the league yeah probably probably um because i think even if Liverpool won the league suarez goes um even if Liverpool win the league um gerard probably declines as he does because he just got to that age Maybe not as dramatically as he did, because I think mentally he completely went, uh, and that kind of fed into the, his physical problems. Um, Sturridge, you still can't predict how his injuries would have would have uh, would have taken him. I mean, I don't think Liverpool's transfer business would have been much different, um, and you know they certainly uh, it wouldn't have changed the way that they tried to pursue Alexis Sanchez and, and failed to, to to bring him to the club. Um, I just think there was a there was a kind of acceptance among the uh, the owners that Liverpool had to kind of take a step back to take another step forward, and that was kind of the wrong move to take. Rather than consolidation, they should have just kind of kept going. Perhaps um, I don't know. Maybe if they tried that, it would have it would have gone even worse. Um, maybe Liverpool would have fallen even further far behind. But as it was, you kind of just had Liverpool just drawing matches and just really not having any kind of identity and really having no 
sort of purpose for the last, I'd say, kind of six to eight months, really. What's the um, what's the impression of the owners then? Because uh, they're they're in this odd business of being one of those companies that seem to just go around and, and buy and operate sports teams, which yeah. Is- very strange. I think the other one that I'm aware of is um, the guy Shahid Khan, who's at Fulham, yeah. who's in a similar sort of thing. Yeah. Um, have they have they come out of this well, or are they partly to blame, um, um, or is there even the Liverpool fans even calling their judgment into question at all? Um, there have been, and I think I think um, the appointment of Klopp has save will save them some. Uh, Save them some time, certainly, because I think there was an acceptance that they were happy just to let things drift and that there was um, a sense of sort of inertia and apathy creeping in. They don't seem to be very interested. Um, There's very minimal presence from the Americans over this side of of the pond. Um, And the, the honeymoon period has been over, I'd say, for a good year or two, um, you know, they, the fact that they took over from Hicks and Gillette almost immediately brought them uh, a saving grace. You know, anyone but Hicks and Gillette was the mantra at the time. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think it is five week, five years this week um, that they took over the club. So it's actually a good, probably good time to actually look at it. And I'm not sure, you know, what one, one Champions League season, one trophy. It's probably not what they'd have. Um, they they probably consider as underachievement. But I think the, the landscape of football's changed since they took over. I think they they're a bit slow on the uptake, perhaps. Um, so they have unrealistic expectations of exactly how far they can take Liverpool in such a short time frame. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, I mean, they've certainly looked to do things differently, tried to be a bit too clever for their own good when um, perhaps they, you know, they're looking for shortcuts that aren't there, perhaps. Um, it, it's difficult to say. I mean, Liverpool aren't going to win the league on the budget that Liverpool are on because that just that's, does, does, doesn't happen. Um, and and, and in, in the end, if that's not what you're aspiring to, what are you aspiring to do? You're just sort of there to make up the numbers otherwise. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the the fact that in the summer they they, they let Rogers keep his job and um, um, they, they, they didn't make a decisive action, um, certainly a lot of fans sort of got alienated by that. But I think the, the, the way that they've acted in the last sort of couple of weeks and the fact that they've shown that Liverpool can identify um, a coach who would be welcomed with open arms by, I think, any other club in the top six in England um, shows a lot for the ambition that they possibly still have for the club, which, you know, I, I think legitimately was being questioned a couple of months ago. What was the thinking then, during the summer? Because obviously Rodgers was kept on after there was reports of talks and, and definite meetings about whether or not his future was in definite question or if, if he was going to leave. And he was you know, chosen to stay in place with that transfer committee and they brought in the likes of Bentec in and reinvested that sterling money quite handsomely. Mm. Um, and it seemed to be at least from an outside looking in, the, more than the football. It was the way in which Rodgers started to conduct himself once he'd become more successful, especially in that season where you nearly won the league, mm. that he'd started to begin, you know, believe his own hype slightly. I mean, he, you know, he got a bit thinner. He started doing 
posh haircuts and uh, you know he got himself a, a new lass on his arm and whatnot and um just the way he started to talk i mean as a as a tottenham fan it will always be slightly funny that he'll he said that they won't do a tottenham and then did a tottenham perhaps worse than tottenham did um with some of the the dealings you did um i mean I, we may go toe to toe on Polino, but we'll, we'll <laughs> you know there's um there's you know there's there's questionable signings there from both sides um, do you think the way in which he, he spoke and conducted himself and this Brenton character that was, you know, always looming around him, was that something that, you know, has has derailed the the positivity that was there before? It's made him easier to crucify. Uh yeah, perhaps. I mean, as I said, he's um people do like to dislike him. Do you dislike him? Uh I, I really I don't know. It's a difficult one to say. It really is difficult to say because I I feel I felt I feel sorry for him that everything that's happened to him because I think he I don't think I think a lot of it's been kind of out of his control um, and yet at the same time he has been the architect of his own downfall in certain senses and doesn't help himself by some things that he says and continually saying that the team was outstanding when they were blatantly were not outstanding um, does begin <laughs> to grind a bit because it is just like well what are the expectations here what are you saying to these players I mean. The fact that the, his last press conference, he says that um, he's never been told by um, uh, FSG that, that that what the targets were. It's like, well, like, well, what's going on then? Surely you were told at some point, you know, qualify for the Champions League or whatever. Um, so he's all he's all, he's all very sort of muddled with him. Um, I mean, I've told you I've told you the anecdote about Keane before, haven't I? I don't really want to repeat that one. I just think that one. Yeah, the, that. The most his favourite his favourite record is um what is it under somewhere under the sea or somewhere somewhere only we know is this yeah that's the one. song or whatever um, you know <laughs> that just, just just says a lot about him he's you know um, an odd block yeah yeah and he's just you know been in this situation and it's almost like a politician's answer on um, on desert island this song <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, at least he didn't come out and say you know I really like Diplo or something. Yeah, it's true, <laughs> but um, it's 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 just I just it is strange, perhaps now when you look at it, that he was given the summer, um, and he did. It's almost a waste of a summer, isn't it? Um, and he did. Yeah, I mean, he got. Um, obviously, you know the 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 coaching staff changed, which was quite strange, really. Um, yeah, that seemed to be. They, it was levelled that perhaps they blamed the coaching staff and they paid with their jobs more than Rogers did. Yeah, I mean, I could understand the logic on some, some in some part that I felt felt Rogers um, needed a bit more help than he perhaps would ever admit, and the fact that you couldn't imagine Colin Pascoe telling Rogers, "No, you're wrong, actually, mate. This is what we should do," when he changes formation for the fifth time in a semi final. Um, he kind of needed someone there to tell him, you know, someone there he could bounce ideas off, someone who could sort of, you know, tell him to take a step back or show him where he's going wrong. Um, you know, he he seems to very much uh, admire Sean O'Driscoll, um, which is very odd, I think. Um, you know, someone who supposedly is is one of the uh, one of the bright sparks in the lower leagues, but who'd been dealt a rough hand because. Playing football, 
the way you want to play football down there just simply doesn't work. Like, no, it, do- it doesn't really work. You can't you can't play good football in the lower <laughs> leagues. I mean, I've only watched about ten championship games in the flesh this season as a season ticket holder, and I can tell you that trying to you know instill a footballing ideology in that that level is not really something you should be trying to do. Exactly, and that's that's where that's where I think that's you know I think Rogers is. is, is um, found it difficult at Liverpool even instilling that philosophy because he comes with these ideas these ways to play and yet um, as soon as things start to go against him as soon as the way he plays starts to get found out he's only ever been four or five games away from the sack I think for the past 12 months and everything's sort of been on self-preservation and I think for the last four or five weeks he's been on self-preservation just trying to keep his job and um, really that's no way to operate a football club. If we were to commit a cardinal sin and sort of evaluate Liverpool as a squad on paper, where would you think that those as a collective should finish in the league? Fifth. Fifth. I, I do. I, th- I, th- I think I predicted a fifth at the start of the season. So you think you have a, a, a markedly better squad than Tottenham? Um, yeah, man for man. Yeah, I think there is. I think there is potential. There is. I mean, the word is potential, isn't there? And I do think Liverpool have significantly been uh, less than the sum of their parts for the past six months or so, particularly this season. I think. Yeah, I think you you install you install a a coach who offers something new because I think it was plain to see really that they got confused by Rodgers I mean the fact that Rodgers just sort of he goes in this summer and then you know he buys players for a kind of for playing a 4-3-3 or you know whatever and then suddenly after three or four games he suddenly started playing three at the back again that doesn't add up uh, Benteke was an odd signing because he never seemed to be a player that fit he's almost a, a better behaved Mario Balotelli yeah, or a more reliable Andy Carroll, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's it's interesting. I think you've bought the same. Yeah, you've bought the same player three times, <laughs> <laughs> very expensively three times. Yeah, but I do. Um, I do think there is. I do think there is quality in Liverpool's squad. I just don't think it's been uh, evident for quite some time now. But I do think with the right direction, it can be unlocked. Um, it's just how long it takes and. Um, how much the apathy of Rogers' reign had kind of seeped into them? Because I think you see it most in like, you know, sort of, sort of. I, I kind of feel that he was overcomplicating things towards the end. That, uh, and you see that you see that most illustrative in in the way that in that semi final against Aston Villa, you play he played like three formations in the first forty five minutes. And it's, yeah, you really don't need to overthink things against it, him, sure. Exactly, you? exactly, uh, and. You know, it's one thing to be innovative and, you know, that you can sort of switch switch a flick, you know, just like that, flick a switch just like that and change things around. Always just having no idea what you're doing and the players are just lost, in, in, you know, in a mesh of just random thoughts, which I think is probably quite accurate. Before we get on to your new manager, um, I wanted to sort of talk to you about the perception of your club mm. um, from 
people that aren't Liverpool fans. Because mm. naturally, it's a the, the stereotypical you know checklist of things when you talk about Liverpool um, is that the fans will call it Liverpool Football Club for some reason. They won't <laughs> just call it Liverpool. Um, I, I read an article the other day where the bloke just simply refused to call them Liverpool, and there was like ten instances. Maybe he had a word count issue. I'm not sure where he'd extended it. Where was this? It's always. I can't remember. I think it was on one of the blogs or something, okay. um, which is probably understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, um, you know, there's the insular nature of Liverpool, the emotional nature of Liverpool, or all the, you know, the buzzwords that are always brought up. And people always, I think, propel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Done by the social media presence of the club because it is so big and because you, you are still such a, a globally big club. Um isn't helped by the fact that they are a bit a bit weird. Um, they are very. They always seem to be ultra defensive. Um, they always seem to you know attack. You know, be on the attack quite needlessly. Mm. Um, and you know these these are obviously things that only an outsider can pick up on. It must be slightly different for somebody who is who's part of that collective as a Liverpool fan and and whatnot. Just the, just the sort of way in which the club looks at itself and the sort of the, the reverential way that you, you deal with yourself. I mean, as a Tottenham fan, we historically, we don't have the success that Liverpool have had, uh, obviously not as recently in history as you've had. Mm. Um, so our fan base is perhaps more familiar with self-deprecation than yours maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think people going into supporting a club like Tottenham may have different expectations than one with a you know a Liverpool background may do, um, but I just wanted to to gather, gather your thoughts on that. Do you do you understand why people think the club and the the fans are a, a tiny bit strange? Yeah, completely, and I I do I do see it a lot. Um, you know, I'm not uh, not blind to it. Yeah, um, but that's sort of what I was saying before: is that if you're not in it to win it, what are you in it for? Um, and yeah, I think yeah but got... at the same time, you, you were sensible enough to caveat that by the fact that you've never once said that you expect them to finish anything higher than fifth, whereas there are people, I assume, that would think that now you have a new manager in place, the title... Oh, we're going to win the league, grasp. yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I mean, I think you see... You, I think you kind of see the, the, the difficulty in changing a mentality in a, a place like Manchester City, where... That club is just so used to um, just messing up, and the fact that they're actually successful and they don't enjoy it, I find 
um, they get to the Champions League and they're they're booing the they're booing the anthem and you know they're they're not selling out the grounds because you know they're convinced there's a conspiracy against them that they're not going to succeed in this competition and you know they just they sort of win the league and they don't really know what to do. Um, I think there's a hollow nature to a club like Manchester City that they may not be at Liverpool because you are a club who have come from historical success and Manchester United, Manchester City sorry mm. are a club that come from historical failure the fact that they yeah. are financially doped their way in, and essentially yes. you know if you ever played monopoly and you steal from the bank it doesn't <laughs> feel you know it doesn't feel as as you know as as fruitful a victory um as if you know you've done it you know by the straight and narrow they've they have in many ways taken a shortcut and i think that is why there is maybe on a subconscious level some guilt there amongst their fan base as to how, why they are now at the level they are. Mm, you know, yeah, buying Raheem Sterling for £50 million when really they should be playing Sean Gota. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But they'll tell you that Sean Gota was a legend, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah. anyway, Liverpool, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know how to, I don't really know how to answer it. Um, is, there, is there no sort of self-awareness amongst the Liverpool fan base that we're unaware of because even even the stuff that obviously the idiots tend to shout the loudest so when we see people on you know Red Men TV I think it's called calling mm, yeah, Chelsea yeah. fans rent boys and, yes, and things like yeah. that <laughs> I mean you can disagree with that if you want to but it was I think it was the way in which he did it that's the the funny part um, yes, and you know yeah. the, the blogs that I bring up I remember when Mario Balotelli first joined somebody did like a really lengthy 2000 word blog post about why he belonged at the club and why this would be his re he'd be like be reborn as a Liverpool player and that's what you know an outsider is what he you know is what the club was and something like that and they talk about it in a very romantic way and I don't think you can ever remove that from a fan base mm. but it does seem very fetishized as a yeah. as an outsider looking in yeah it's 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 very easy to mock without doubt and yeah. I, you know, I see a lot of things that I, you know, cringe about uh, reading. You know, the, um, you know, let's not forget the Rogers Shankly Paisley ghost meme, <laughs> yes. um, which was a, disgraceful. Um, <laughs> I'd forgotten and, about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, although I saw a new, I saw a new, I saw a new version of that where Rogers was up in the sky with Sasson the Lion going shite. Uh, that was <laughs> quite amusing. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've got to the stage where I just laugh at it because there is nothing that you can do about it. It's part, is kind of become part of the fabric of the club. And what really frustrates more than anything is that you have that ridiculousness on the message boards, but when you go to Anfield, quite as anything, there's no atmosphere there at that place, nothing. There's no enjoyment from the fan base at all. Um, they, you know, if they can't get inspired by Jurgen Klopp, they're not going to get inspired by anything. Um, it's, it's Klopp even it's quite funny actually. We'll come on to Klopp in a minute after you finish. But what Klopp did make a point of in his uh, press conference when he when he mentioned the Liverpool atmosphere, he, he did say it's going to be hard to impress me. I have just come from Dortmund. Well, exactly. Yeah, they get the, you know they really have to block out their ideas because the the famous Liverpool atmosphere has been absent for many times and um it's you know it's only ever been i think in the last sort of 15 years it's only ever been good for the occasional champions league night and probably the back end of the 2013-14 season otherwise it's just quite a 
quite a quiet place with a lot of old people grumbling about how it's not very good anymore and they don't want to give up their season ticket for fear of missing out on it and good there's like a you know there's like a 27 year waiting list or something so you know if you give it up and then Liverpool start winning leagues in two or three years then um you know they're just they're just going to be kicking themselves and going to be more grumpy and more miserable so um yeah it's it's it's, it's a strange sort of contradiction in in the way that you know, they sort of conduct themselves on on the internet, being all uh, embarrassingly emotionally and emotional and just downright ludicrous, and then just you know sat there grumbling in silence um, at the match. That's a big thing that's got to be sorted out because it's that's that's a mentality shift that's in danger of sort of over overtaking the club. I think. Okay, um, I mean that's that's probably the most honestly I've ever heard anyone talk about Liverpool. To be honest, because you never hear anything more than the fact that it's the best supported club in England, and uh, you know it's the best place <laughs> to go and watch football in England and whatnot. And there's probably elements of truth in that. Yeah, but it's you know there's a growing realism. There's a lot. I mean, I don't go to the match as much as um, some people do, but I mean, I listen to the Anfield rap, and you know there are people in there who complain, you know, every week about Liverpool fans on there who complain about the atmosphere, who complain that. There are just people there who are prepared to just moan at their own fans, but clap Cristiano Ronaldo for doing something good. And it's like you're getting this wrong. Like you should be you should be abusing Ronaldo, and you should be clapping Raheem Sterling. It shouldn't be the other way around. I think that's the modern nature of the football fan, though, isn't it? Um try to suppress you as much as possible for 25 minutes i'll let you have some joy now by talking about <laughs> your new manager i'm i'm glad to see you haven't drowned in your own ejaculate over the past few weeks um, <laughs> as, as he's come into um into the club uh no pun intended uh, um but he's he's come to much fun fanfare. The mm. press are beside themselves of because Mourinho sort of had this fall yeah. from grace. Um, his first press conference, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen coverage like it. Um, oh, everyone yeah. was so besotted by him. Um, you know, they were fawning over him. This new funny German that had come with his big smile and his ideas. But the one thing that sort of shone out for me past all that sort of very base and very you know just sort of meaningless coverage was the fact that he, time and time again the thing that he repeated in his press conference was that it was going to take him time and that it wasn't an overnight job and that you know his ideas may not happen uh, straight away and you know I think he set himself a four-year target to win the Premier League in um, yeah. which you know maybe slightly ambitious, maybe just a you know throwaway quote, but it's inevitably something that he's going to be held against now that he said it. Um, but he, he constantly said that it's going to take a bit of time for him to mould it. And if you even look at it, the way in which he, he started at Dortmund, it wasn't as if they were, they were suddenly a title winning side straight away. He was there for a while yeah. before he managed to cultivate the, the culture that has mm-hmm. ultimately led to their success. Yeah. But saying that, Everyone seems to be extremely happy. Um, I gather that you are in a similar state of happiness, um, and that the fan base is too. Yeah, I think so. I've, <laughs> no, I've it's it's quite incredible actually how much it's changed in the past week. Um, the, the, like, the, the, I, I can't stress enough the malaise that had set in under Rogers and the amount of people that really, um, just to be honest, a lot of arseholes. Just taking, every, just sort of dissecting every single thing that Brendan Rodgers did, uh, every press 
conference. Um, it was like a mother's meeting on Twitter. Everyone was saying, oh, can't, you can't believe he said this. He said that. He said this. Does he really think this? Why doesn't he do this? Why is he playing Lovren? Where's Sacco? And just the, the momentum had built up against him so much. And it was... I, I couldn't I couldn't see it him getting it back after that 6-1 defeat to Stoke and so it's kind of a relief as much as anything and then I'd like to um, express my dissatisfaction at that relief that it's had to come the week before you played Tottenham exactly and that's that's what makes it so good is that so many fans it does, it's not because we clubs we, we are... really we really owed Brendan Rodgers a beat <laughs> <laughs> and he's managed to escape just before it was looking like an inevitable defeat for you and now we've got to face this new buoyant Liverpool with happy fans it's typical Tottenham it's, <laughs> yeah it's just yeah not getting the revenge for the 5 nils and 4 nils and 3 nils, isn't it Exactly. Um, at the beginning of last season, I swear that when you beat us at White Hart Lane, that might have been your only good performance it, for like it, the first yeah. half of the season. Yeah, well, that and the, I'd say the 3-2 at Anfield as well, probably two of our better performances of the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, to go back to the original point, um, it is quite incredible how the, how the outlook has changed and there's a lot of optimism. Um, and even if there's a bad result on Saturday, I don't see it puncturing it too much to be honest I just you just sort of get the impression that there needed to be a freshening up and I think there's been the best possible freshening up because my major concern was what were, what were FSG going to do if they sat for Rodgers were they going to go for were they going to continue on the same route and say well let's let's start another five-year plan let's get the next Brendan Rodgers in i.e. Gary Monk and you know it's year zero again, and it's just like, you know, we don't need another five-year plan. There's actually a good set of players here. They just got a bit lost under the previous management, and they just need fine-tuning and putting in a different direction. And then you get someone like Klopp, who is, you know, you know, he's in the top he's in the top five in his field, probably, to be honest, like, in terms of his global appeal, in terms of, in terms of his ability, I think he's very good, and I think he's going to be it's very exciting to see what's going to happen. Um, Has he taken a step down in joining Liverpool? He's probably taken, he's probably taken a sideways step, if anything, because um, I know Liverpool... Given that he was uh, he was being linked to Real Madrid and clubs of that ilk, mm, yeah. do you not think that he, maybe this is... The, the fact that there is a lot more work to be done at Liverpool mm. than there is a, a club with you know success already built in in the modern era mm. you don't think that maybe he could have waited for somewhere that was an easier task for him I, I I think he's just one of those people who enjoys the challenge a bit more um, he enjoys the challenge more than say Carlo Ancelotti would who wants to go somewhere where he only needs to do the fine tuning uh, more than say Jose Mourinho where he just wants to be at the richest club in the league um, I think he does I think he will embrace what is the what the challenge is because I think you know Liverpool in the peculiar situation where they're the ninth richest club in Europe, but they're the fifth richest in one league. So, you know, there's no question they've got the resources and they've got the power, but, you know, they're stuck in this league where there's four other superpowers. And it's, um, you know, in, in four or five of the last six seasons or something, it's been the same four clubs qualifying for the Champions League and getting into those top four spaces. So, um I, I, it's, it's, it's a sideways step. It's a sideways step in that, that sense, but I, I do think that he, you know, I think he'll go to one of those big jobs eventually. I just think he, 
wants to keep challenging himself and improving. And I think you know with him, I mean, it's cliche to say because being a Liverpool fan and saying these things and saying you know, he's caught up in the romanticism of it and the emotion and being being Liverpool, you know, the, all the, the mythology and the history around the place. But I think he genuinely does love that. And I think that's genuinely uh, the reason he's at the club. I think if Tottenham would, Tottenham were there. I think he might. I don't think he'd leap into it as as much as he's seemingly leapt into Liverpool. Ah, uh, you don't know how attractive a Ryanair flight player by Daniel <laughs> Levy is. <laughs> um, the one thing I wanted to to ask you about is um, before he was appointed, there was a lot of uh, of piss taking essentially of of Liverpool thinking they could get him. And <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I was I was one of very few. I think that sort of took a step back and went, you know what, in the context of the Premier League, it is, you know, on the very base level, it looks slightly ridiculous that a club has, you know, that don't finish in the Champions League places are looking for a manager who is one of the hottest properties in Europe. Mm. But if you ever speak to anyone who isn't English or is, you know, is African or Chinese or German, Liverpool to them are still a huge property. You know, yeah. you'll, you can still go anywhere and, and there'll be Liverpool shirts hung up and they are still one of those global footballing properties. And I imagine to somebody coming from the outside in that Liverpool is still looked at as a, as a massive job and perhaps a, they may look at it as a, a bigger job than maybe somebody who, in the context of the Premier League, would, um, which is where I think that, that comes from. Because mm. obviously you've pointed out that the money there, he's obviously going to be getting paid quite handsomely. Yeah, he is. Um, the club will look after him. Um and he'll be given it a free reign, but he's not joining the modern elite of clubs. So it's it's easy to see where people sort of had that <laughs> that easy place to take the piss out of, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I do think that he he probably as well because you're still getting a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you know, it'll start well, but look what happened in his final season at Dortmund, and so possibly. Possibly he's thinking, you know, if I'm getting questions asked of me after one bad season, after five or six very good seasons, then, you know, maybe I need to show it somewhere else first. Um, maybe that's fed into his thinking. Um, that, I don't think he's going to be at Liverpool for the eight years that he was at Dortmund. No, 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 I, I, no maybe not. Maybe not. Um, because certainly if other clubs come calling, then... You know, Bayern, especially understandable. Um, perfectly understandable if he's going to go elsewhere because, you know, I've, uh, I don't subscribe to the loyalty in football thing anymore. We've been burned by no, I don't burned think that by exists, it too many it? burned by it too many times now. Is there any truth to that rumor that there's a clause in his contract to go to Bayern or something like that? I don't know. I've not heard. I've not heard. There's no rumors on the forums. None that I've seen. No, um, no overly scared copites mentioning it already. No. No, give it, give it a couple of weeks. Give it, give it a couple of weeks, and we'll check back in. Yeah. Right, um, the upcoming game at the weekend. Then um, I'm gonna ask you for two score predictions. I'm gonna ask you for pre, you know pre Klopp and post Klopp. <laughs> what do you think would have happened? Pre Klopp one one because that's what Liverpool did under Brendan Rodgers by the end. Uh, a mad three three. Why not? Three three. It is at White Hart Lane. I mean, if it was at if it was at Anfield, I'd be tempted to say that Liverpool would probably win just by you know, narrative sake. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, given that it's a while, Lane, I think we're playing well enough at the minute to sort of get a draw. I think it, had it been Rodgers, we would have won. Yeah. 
fairly comfortably. Probably, yeah. Because I think I think Pochettino was probably uh, didn't need any motivation to to give Rodgers one back. <laughs> um, but. I've kept you long enough, James. Um, thank you very much for your time. That's okay. Um, That's okay. Good luck for the rest of your season. I hope you finish below Tottenham again. Because um, that's always, you know, a nice perk at the end of the year. That seems to be Tottenham's sort of sole purpose. Just finish above Liverpool. It's because we can't so finish above finish anyone else. <laughs> yeah, we can't finish above anyone else these days. So. <laughs> it's just it's just making sure you guys know your place in the league is, is below ours is, um, is what our purpose is now. <laughs> Keep you in the Europa League. <laughs> Oh, lovely. All right, see you later, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much, Jimmy Dizzle. Jinky, I don't think I don't think James Dutton's the type of man that would appreciate being called Jimmy Dizzle, is he? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that's probably the first time in his life he's been called that. Well, let's let's hope he's listened back and uh, he can offer us some. That's a good test, actually, Jimmy Dizzle. If you've listened past your own segment, um, and you're not like one of those guys that you know, whatever his name is. Scrooby's Pip goes on about you go to a poetry reading and fuck off when other people are doing theirs right if you've stuck around at the back to listen the rest of the show tell us what you think about being called Jimmy Dizzle I once uh, I once um, listened to Scrooby's Pip's podcast I'd never heard him talk before I'd only heard him obviously in, in music and I didn't realise he had a stutter and I thought this was like a oh does he I, yeah he has a really pronounced quite heavy one it's like you remember when Gareth Gates were first on Pop Idol um, yeah. it's like that before he was shagging Jordan um, he lost his virginity to Jordan yeah while she was pregnant with Dwight York's baby Jeez. yeah there, there's a tabloid story for you go and google that <laughs> I think I only learnt about that through like Bo Selector do you remember do you remember Bo Selector I do indeed Avid Merian and all that it was much it? funnier than Keith Lemon for me Definitely, def- definitely. The the first couple of series, there was some genuine, real humour in there. Like it was very, very good at times. I liked his old Craig David thing as well. Yeah, especially when he had one of those little, you know, those little like piss bags, batten de burger sausages you get from yeah. uh, from abroad. When he sniffs it, he's like, oh, it smells right like cum because <laughs> they actually do. And I've always said that. And it was yeah, as all good comedy does when it. When it observes something you've observed, it touches that nerve, doesn't it? And you find it very funny. Yeah, that's the funniest thing that man's ever done. My mum has a probably. My mum has a theory that um, he's fallen so deeply into the Keith Lemon character that he doesn't know the difference anymore. So that he goes home and he, he thinks he's doesn't. Keith Lemon. Probably doesn't. But I think it's it, it's just devoid of humour that Keith Lemon stuff. I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, my mum just reckons he's had a mental breakdown and that's who he thinks he is now. He doesn't know his. I think his name's Lee Francis and he's he's from Leeds. Um, like Keith Lemon's based on um, somebody he grew up around in Farnley in Leeds. Really? Yeah. Um, and I think back in both like days, Keith Lemon was like a really small character that you, what was it, businessman of the year or something? They used to be some show like that. And now yeah. he's this. He's even had a terrible, terrible film out. Um, I don't. I've not watched it, but everyone that has has, uh, has not spoken kindly of it. No, Mrs. Brown's Boys, they've had a fucking film as well. So, so did Harry know. Hill, didn't he? Oh, Jesus, did he? Yeah, Harry Hill he was, was Do you know what, Harry Hill was another guy in his, in his early days. Some of his stand-up stuff was pretty funny. I didn't even but know he, he was just a stand-up. Yeah, and he just fucking watered it down for TV and became this, do you know what I mean? Guy that had safe, big collars. Yeah, safe, like, Yadar-type humour. It's just... Uh, God, it's all so depressing. It's all so depressing. We've got no football to talk about, so should we just talk about team? We haven't. Do what we used to do back in the old days. I don't know, because obviously you haven't actually spoken to Jimmy Dizzle yet. But no. uh, 
given that they've gotten fucking Klopp in. Have they? I haven't heard about that. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, it's it's fucking irritating. It's really fucking irritating. It's only irritating that they've done that. that. Um, I'm not too too worried about it because there's, there's still obvious limitations in what he can do at the club. Um, although he, he's obviously demonstrably a much better manager than the one they got rid of. Not that Rodgers was actually as bad as people made him out to be. It's just the fact that he was a prick that I think um, sort of did for him more than his results. I think that, that sort of fed into it a bit more. If he was a palatable man, then I think he would have afforded himself a slightly longer spin, uh, stint at the club. Um, yeah, and I think separate a good bit on that, didn't he? Yeah, you, um, yeah, last week or so. I think Klopp is um, is a good addition for the Premier League. I mean, I'm not sure everyone is too affectionate at Liverpool. I'm, I'll ask Dutton about this. I'll, I'll ask him in, in these very words. I'll mark my words now. If you've not heard that interview and I've not <laughs> said this to him, then you, you can sling abuse at me. But I will ask him, why do everyone think that Liverpool are a horrible club and that their fans are all pricks? And I'll put him to that in, in exactly the same way and uh, I'll see what he says. But it is, you know, nobody's too affectionate about Liverpool. They're nobody's second team. They're, you know, they're a team that everybody, I think, wants to see do badly, um, which is, you know... I, I, never, I never used to mind them that much. It's definitely something that's come... Because... For most of my kind of like early life, at least, Liverpool were always like a comfortable top four team. They were basically what City are now, uh, aside for actually winning the title. Um, Liverpool, you know, they won FA Cups. I'd seen them win the Champions League, the UEFA Cup. They were always in the top four. Um, And they were always the sort of team that would beat us. But uh, I think it's since they kind of fell out of that. And United are going down that path as well now. When they've sort of hit those harder times, it's that sense of entitlement that comes in. And I know people say, oh, Spurs fans have that Spurs, but we don't have that true level of entitlement. I don't think that like Liverpool and United fans have. Um, and probably even to a lesser extent, Arsenal fans. I don't even think, as, as much as I hate to give Arsenal any sort of credit, I think Arsenal fans are still a little bit more able to laugh at themselves than like Liverpool or United fans are. Because I think Arsenal, probably the majority of Arsenal fans still, um, especially ones my sort of age, haven't always had Arsenal being a great team as well. Because like early Premier League years, there wasn't an awful lot between Arsenal and Spurs. We were both kind of a bit shy, a bit mid-table. Um, but, you know, there you go. Um, I just, But I can just see them riding this wave where they're probably going to be as this that new manager buzz. But equally, you can see it being the case that, you know, we do beat them and the narrative is, well, you know, they've got a new manager in and it's going to take them a while to stop the rot. But uh, given what Klopp's like, his kind of his man management style, his personality, you can imagine those players will be really, really up for this game. And they always seem to do really well against us as well, which is quite irritating. So I'm not expecting a lot from this. Um I think it'll probably be a draw. I would have, I would have thought we'd have beaten Rodgers Liverpool the way they were heading uh, yeah, with their sort terrible, of emotional trajectory. But um, with that, as you said, the little boost with Klopp coming in, and the fact that there's going to be obviously a little bit of boost um, to just their psyche going into the match because they'll all want to be playing for him a bit more than they were previously. Um, a draw would probably be the most likely outcome. I don't think it's. 
he's out of the question for us to win because he's it's not as if he's had a full week to prepare them. Um, and he's the sort of manager in a, in a similar sort of fashion to Van Gaal at Manchester United where because he has more complex ideas perhaps than most managers have and the fact that he's going to tweak quite a bit of what Rodgers has done um, it may take them a little while to sort of understand his methods and sort of actually transform into the sort of club he wants them to be in the sort of you know identity he wants them to have um, it's not going to be an overnight thing um, so we may benefit from that, perhaps, um, but it's you know it's not ideal ever playing a club when they've just got a new manager in. Um, but it's, as is the way with Spurs, I think we we do that more than anyone else, maybe. Typical, uh, typical Spurs type. I, I resent using the word Spursy, but it's kind of it's that kind of vibe, isn't it? You know, when you've got a club on the teetering on the edge, they bring in a new manager just when we're about to play them. Um, I wonder if that was part of the decision at all, though, where they think, well, you know, we got Spurs up next, we've got a kind of like uh, a direct rival, as it were. If they're having those thoughts of getting rid of Rodgers, let's get rid now, ahead of the game. I like to think maybe I'm just blowing a bit too much smoke up our asses there with that. But I think be, the, I think Chelsea were a bigger consideration, to be honest. Uh, given the Mourinho factor there, they may well have thought that you know we have to twist before they may, so that we can get Klopp in before they offer him more money. Um, good shout, that didn't ever didn't even think of it that way. That's a good shout. Um, he's I don't know what the fuck's happened to Jose, but he's he's gone, isn't he? Um, but fuck them anyway. Um, I think we should talk about Telly. Because we haven't done that for a while. And if we're going to go for a, for an old school pod, mate, let's let's go fully old school. We've both watched Mr. Robot, which doesn't seem to be getting the. Yeah, I finished it. I yeah. finished it. Properly shit titled for a brilliant series. Yeah, yeah. I think like one of the main things I fucking loved about it is that I'm a, I'm a massive Stanley Kubrick fan as a director. I love his visual style. I love his just the way he gets his actors to perform everything. Um, All right, Mark. And there's on. so many. <laughs> there's so many Kubrick references in Mr. Robot which I've uh, I've really liked like just kind of like in terms of like visual tics and uh, it's I, I really like it I think it's great if you like Stanley Kubrick watch Mr. Robot I mean the, the, the kind of the overarching story is a little bit trite you know it's like he's a hacker and whatever you know bring down the man and all that kind of shite um it's nothing that you don't really hear Radiohead talking about in most of their albums, but the way it's executed is brilliant. And the thing I love about it for a television It doesn't make you want piece, to like go and run and bang your head against the wall like a Radiohead uh, record does, though, does it? <laughs> yeah. But the way it's filmed, it's so cinematic. It is like one massive film. Yeah, like, it is. It's, it's really well done. It's so brilliantly shot. And I think the acting across the board is superb. Aside from the only person who I think is pretty weak in there is the guy who was the president in House of Cards you know right. his boss the guy with the yeah, glasses yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's just terrible he's not one of those actors that I feel like is whatever shagged you know, his way to the top or do you know who his wife to someone. is no I don't his wife is the woman on House of Cards who plays the uh, home secretary I think uh, you know the older looking lady with white hair oh right okay she used to yeah, be 24 really? Yeah, and I wouldn't put them together because it looks as if there's about 20 years between them. It's yeah. sort of like a Richard and du- Judy situation. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, oh God, but Richie yeah, and uh, yeah. Richie and Judy are fantastic. I went through a, a phase after high school where I used to watch Richard and Judy in Hollyoaks after school because it was class. Do you like their book club recommendations? I, I don't think they had the book club when I was watching it. It was just <laughs> the fact that Richard would like clearly have a script that he would ignore and just ask inappropriate questions constantly. And Judy would... And belittle his wife on it. Yeah, <laughs> Judy would just sit there embarrassed um, for, for the majority of it. Do you remember when uh, Baps fell out at the uh, TV awards? Yeah, and he put them away, didn't he? No, he didn't. Someone had to run up and do it because he thought they were all cheering for him when they were all cheering because this old lady's uh, bosoms had exposed. He he was almost like Clarkson before Clarkson. He was never as toxic and as kind of out and outly cuntish as Clarkson. No, he, he's uh, he's dickhead wedding at Uncle, isn't he? But he <laughs> I fucking hate Clarkson so much. You know, Maidley's the type that you know has three glasses of wine and goes, "Do you want to see me break dance?" His uh, well, Christ is Ali. I, I know I didn't <laughs> say this after I said Wagwan last week, but like his his Ali G was it was pretty painful. But it, it it said to me it was a man that kind of he had a level of self awareness though because he knew. I think he was a mu- I think he was a lot more conscious of what he was doing when he did that Ali G impression than people gave him credit for. I think it, it was kind of people like, oh, this is so cringe, but I, I kind of got the vibe he knew it was going to be, and that's why he was doing it. I don't really know why I'm dissecting Richard Madeley's Ali G impression at length on a podcast about Tottenham. Um, it's kind of one of these roads that life leads you down, though, isn't it? If, you, uh, you... if you get 1,500 words out of it, you could probably pitch that advice. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself questioning things when you're like, I spend a good hour and a half, two hours of my life every week talking to a man that has an elephant pseudonym on Twitter. Um, I did it at first. It was, it was concerning to me at first. I thought, you know, why have I agreed to this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, um, it's uh, it's part of my week now. It feels strange not to do it. But then you brought the owl in and you must have thought maybe it's just something they do at their age. No, like I said to Seb, the, the point we brought him in, it was like introducing something new into the bedroom in a, in a marriage, wasn't it? It was something <laughs> fresh. I think I compared him to anal, which I don't think he took too favourably to. Um, but you know the effects that I was uh, alluding to. Yeah, he, he, he giggled. Him his he giggles a lot, doesn't yeah. he? He does have a, a quite a, a childish giggle. He does. Do you know? Do you know what I have noticed though? That uh, when I listen, like when I, like the, sh- the shows that I haven't been on, when I've been listening to it, and I've been probably listening a lot more intently because I haven't heard it before. Yeah. He, he bangs on his table a lot when he's talking. Yes, he does. I like it. He's quite. Pa- I think he's a very passionate man. I think he wants to let it out more. The other thing let is, out, after he's banged on let his table, out, after he's banged on his table, you'll hear a little rattle where he's had to go and get some nicotine chewing gum or lozenges out because he's he sort of like had an itch, and he um, <laughs> he needs to pop a couple of those. And if he ever gets his uh, if his temperature ever reaches a level, he uh, his nicotine lozenges start rattling in the background. That's what I usually get on the e cigs sometimes if I get. Oh, you're itch. not you're not one of those um, vape people, are you? No, 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 definitely not. Those because some people take that ridiculously. But every now and again, like if so, for example, I've been on a few stag dudes this, this summer, and like because I was a smoker for a long time. Well, I say a long time, like in terms of like proportion of my life, I was a smoker for probably about ten years or so. I just find it now it's it's pretty much an inevitability when I get pissed. I don't, I don't smoke anymore like habitually, but when I get pissed, you I get a will, taste uh, for it, don't you? 
Yeah, you, I just I just can't help it. You know, after I've had two, three beers, it's just like, yeah, I need a cigarette. It's it's the same feeling as, you know, when you need a cup of tea. It's just like, that's the only thing. The only thing that's going to kind of, you know, scratch the itch, as it were, of a... Uh, of a, of needing a cup of tea is a cup of tea, and it's yeah. the same with cigarettes. Are you, you one know? of those it's before just... a night out that has to go and buy a ten deck? <clears throat> no, I just usually ponce off of people, to be honest. Um, but because I, I always used to like rollies as well, I was I was oh, always more of a hipster. rollie smoker, to be honest. Well, but yeah, but see, I smoked rollies before it was like a hipster oh, thing. Before people, it was when I smoked rollies, people just called me a. Well, people would just call you a cheap ass. You know what I mean? That was it. It was nothing particularly cool about. But I always just liked the taste of them more. To be honest with you, I thought they smelt nicer and they tasted nicer. Um, so I, I was, you know, like a true hipster. I was, I was on, uh, I was on Rollies before they were cool. There was um, a lad I went to college with who'd clearly watched one too many series of Mad Men and started coming in with uh, Lucky Strike. And we're like, <laughs> where have you bought them from? There's like nowhere here that sells those. And there's like this one shop that he's managed to find that'll sell him Lucky Strike for like twelve. Drinking months. scotch through gritted teeth, you know. Yeah, uh, it's no, it's just water with a tea bag strained through it. Yeah. And there's some odd people. What other television have we been watching recently? I haven't been able to watch that much. No, I'm I'm, I'm really far behind. I'm far. But I, have, you know, I, I've, I haven't even gotten to watch Narcos yet. No, I've Everyone's not watched going it. Everyone's going on about Narcos. I was. Um, I really, I'm, really want to. But I want to do. I've watched the first episode. And I want to like I, I like it I like the way it's set up I like the way it's shot so on and so forth but I want to be able to like devote like proper time and concentration to it and when I'm like in a really busy time at work like I am at the moment I can't really watch much so I've just been watching through Friends again at the moment because it's I, just um, easy you can just put it on and yeah it's fun I am um, it's fun I was put off by Narcos because Pablo Escobar's a and a figure that is often only given a two-dimensional representation of. He's obviously did a lot of awful things in his life, and, you know, when he wanted to kill one man, so he just shot down a plane. Not the greatest, you know, ambassador <laughs> for, you know, human being ever, but, you know, at the same time, he was sort of forced into that by a country who offered the poor nothing and became a one-man welfare state, and I think there are redeeming qualities there. If, if you ever, Shades of grey, innit? Yeah, if you're, if you're ever going to... Um, to create something or write a book about someone or you know make a television series where somebody who who has lived is a figure in that you either have to explicitly say that this is a entirely fictional reimagining of what had gone on or if you are drawing on on you know fact and and real life then you have to give it a a three-dimensional coloring you have to show both sides of a person because um, otherwise, it's it's sort of a hatchet job, and nobody wants to watch that. And uh, I mean, I, I may be coming out as sort of a uh, exposing myself uh, as to where I am as far left as I am on the political spectrum by standing up for uh, Pablo Escobar. But um, he, he, I I want to watch it, but I did send a tweet out just before I did to make sure that it wouldn't make my blood boil. Um, but apparently there is, you know, people showing that he did build schools and and hospitals and things like that and actually did benefit people. I mean, Robin Hood's made up, but Pablo Escobar isn't, and the only difference is he had cocaine and not <laughs> not a bow and arrow. Yeah, it's interesting, because like my old man, he was uh, he's watched it, Narcos, and uh, he's not like, you know, he's not the sort of person that's going to be like, you know, Oh, Pablo Escobar was a terrible human being, and so on and so forth. 
Um, but much like you were saying, he he was uh, he was kind of he, he his criticism of Narcos was that he felt that they were trying a little bit too hard to bang the drum of Pablo Escobar throughout the series that they kind of painted him out to be a hero, which he was saying more so in the respect that like naysayers, people who will say, oh. Pablo Escobar is a terrible person and these people are trying to paint him out to be a hero it just plays into their hands more so um, that you know people like to kind of canonise these figures like anti-establishment figures like Pablo Escobar um, whereas like you're saying you know you need to give this full three-dimensional picture of someone you need to say yeah he did do terrible things but at the same time you know like you say, he was in a country that gave people nothing and he was also up against a system with the Americans that just completely exploited and raped South America, still does rape South America and most of the third world, like, you know. Um, so, you know, it's hard. To, shades of grey, isn't it? Shades of grey, let's not go too deeply into yeah. politics. Um, Homeland started pod. back. Have you, have you watched <laughs> Homeland since it's uh, still, mate? I still haven't gotten into Homeland at all. Really? Still haven't. I, I watch no, it quite a lot. Um, I watched the first episode the other day. Um, it's quite good. Should watch it. It's um, it, it, it had a, a couple like a season and a half where it was sort of having to refine its feet, but it's it's sort of got to where it wanted to, and it's sort of extending it on. Apparently, the original series, I think it's an Israeli series. Um, that's very hard to get your hands on is a lot better than even the original Homeland series was. Um, so I want to watch that at some point, uh, but I haven't got around to it yet. Um, oh, I tell you what, tell, let's end it on. I tell you what, we should discuss Great British Bake Off, Nadia. Yeah. How how happy were you that she won it? Coming over here, baking our cakes, winning our Bake Off, disgusting. I know. Coming from a town near where other people came from who did a terrorist attack in London, eh? Fucking apparently hell. that article's not as bad as it apparently was. It's not at all, yeah. But I've read this that, Reddit that one sentence, about it. That one sentence is very badly handled. Um, it's horrible sticking up for the Daily Mail as well, isn't it? But yeah, I think that I think the only reason they published that article was because there's about 20 others that are as disgusting as um, one could possibly imagine. Um, well, it's, it's like we're saying about Escobar. It's like you know, the Daily Mail do more than enough to paint themselves as fucking cunts. So don't don't construct. You, you don't need to construct and basically, you know, lie and say like the Mail have made an awful point. I mean, the the the, the angle of the article itself is quite bizarre. Um, it does feel really like they've somebody in the, somebody in the office has gone. Hang on, we've published twenty articles here that have sort of loosely tied this woman who is the only link she has. She has no link, actually, to any sort of bad behaviour or terrorism. The, the most tenuous links they've made themselves and fabricated are the only reason that they exist. Um, but it feels as if somebody on the, sort of the editorial side has just gone, maybe we should, you know, for the for the interest of balance, you know, cover our asses when somebody does point this out, is, um, is publish something positively. Um uh, let's tone down the racism just for yeah. once. But yeah. I think it's I think it's genuinely fantastic. I mean, in the sort of where we are as a country now, where we've got parties like UKIP being as popular as they are, um, which is you know thinly veiled racism at its very best. Um, you know, xenophobia if you wanted to be kind. Um, to see a woman um, in a hijab win something called the Great British Bake Off. 
put a gigantic smile on my face. Um, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you can you can see Middle England's heads exploding up and down. The fact that the the, the other contestant in there was a a gay brown man doctor um, was brilliant also and i mean the accusations level that that's some sort of bbc agenda to get sort of every box ticked as possible is ridiculous nah, um, if you watch the whole series you'd see the best bakers were there in the final you know exactly uh, it's, it's sort of ridiculous that a competition that is essentially who can make the best cakes has become a racial commentary on the country i think as well like the uh, take the political side of it out of the equation um the actual like the human narrative of nadia is was just really nice as well to see you know there's this one who was so underconfident and so just had and she had genuinely no belief in herself to see her kind of grow throughout the series to even like reduce mary berry to tears at the end of the series was just you know it was it was immense it was just a really nice story and it's it's really nice to see someone kind of you know, start to believe in themselves in that way. Yeah. Inspiration to us all. It's, yeah, fantastic. I mean, not, it's not as if anything horrific had happened in life. She just, it looks as if she's, she, you know, she's married fairly young and had a couple of kids fairly young and that keeps you more than occupied, as anyone with children will tell you. Um, not that we'd know anything about that, but, <laughs> you know, we're at the age now where our friends and, and, you know, family of similar ages are having that sort of thing, so you see less of them because of, the, you know, the time-consuming nature of it and the fact that she was, mm-hmm. for the first time in a while, it seems as if she she was allowed the the time and, and room to be able to enter herself in something like this, which she was passionate about and did so well, is, is a fantastic narrative. I mean, it's only second to Leeds winning the treble. Um, if, <laughs> if we're going to um, have a call back. But it's, um, yeah, it was it was very heartwarming. And I, I couldn't have been happier that she won. Go on, Nadia. The other thing about Bake Off that we never talked about is, you know, Flora was only 19. I thought she was in the really? 30s. Yeah, she's had a paper round in Baghdad, hasn't she? she? She looks so much older than she was. I didn't think she was in her 30s, but I thought she was at least... 24, 25. No, I didn't think she was early 20s at all. I thought she was much older than I was. Jesus, no, I didn't know she, she, she was that young. Yeah, no, but she she looked like she'd lived a life. But 19, she doesn't look 19. It didn't help no, that she sort of dressed like a Stepford wife. <laughs> but that's what you get when you're a Tory, so... You know how you were saying like when you tweet about like Super League, you get people unfollowing you? Yeah. I love it when I post like anti-Tory rhetoric. Rhetoric? Um... That's just the that's just spring cleaning though, isn't it? I like, yeah, it's, it's good though. You know, it's lovely. It's nice getting that because you just think bye bye, see you later. Um, anyhow, let's. Uh, it was like that time the uh, UKIP councillor tried following us. <laughs> yeah, you just said please unfollow us. We fuck you. I can't remember what you. We don't you even want. We don't want anybody to think we want, we want even a passing association with you. Because no, because he'd done like an actual quote retweet, hadn't he? Been like, "This pod's great. I'm a Spurs fan." Mm, yeah, it makes you doubt what you do, doesn't it? If somebody like that, is, Jesus. But it's still because remember in our private quarters in the West Wing, we were discussing like, "What the fuck?" Because we're pretty open with the fact that like, we absolutely despise that party, and you know, people would vote for that party. But he still gave us a shout out. Weird bastard. Anyhow, um, let's let's put a bullet in it, mate. If you want to listen to 
any of the previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Acast. Download the app. Um, apparently, people are moaning about not being able to download the pod anymore, but soz. You can follow us on Twitter at RTR underscore pod. Also, go to the website rtrpod.com where you can listen to all the previous episodes of the podcast as well. Keep sending your questions in, um, which you can do through the website. Um, and yeah, come on, you Spurs. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you